whenever you're with this person, you are not available for somebody else. Hey, lovebirds. This episode... Oh, um, I... Whoa, got a little bit of a baritone going on. I am sick-ish. I didn't sleep well last night. And I feel like Ira Glass when like Ira still does, you know, the monologues and the intros for his show, This American Life, even when he's sick. And I was always so impressed about that. So, anyways, now I find myself having to record this podcast and I didn't sleep well. My voice is all hoarse, but in any case, this episode is about making space for somebody new and particularly how challenging that can be when you are dating somebody that sort of meets your needs, you know, like sort of scratches the itch, but not quite like they don't give you exactly what you're looking for. But sometimes you have that mentality of like, well, it's better than nothing. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes it is better than nothing. And then sometimes it's not. And it's really a block that is preventing you from meeting somebody that can be a better fit for what you're looking for. This episode is free love advice with Samantha, who has a little bit of an extra challenge to her situation in the sense that she has a visible disability and it makes dating more challenging. My name is Sean Galanas, and this is The Love Drive. How can I help? Um, so I'm looking for some help with moving on uh, from a relationship and not repeating the same sort of old habits specifically with this relationship. Um, and then I'm also interested in maybe talking about some anxiety I have about meeting new people. Um, I feel like my journey to meet new folks is made more complex by the fact that I have a visible disability. Okay. Where would you like to start? I think starting with like breaking old habits and, and the, the cycle is probably the, the most challenging part because I keep returning to this relationship. Is this something that you would like to change? In a like conscious, immediate way? Yes. In a like unconscious sort of way? No. I think I listened to the podcast about breakups and getting over people this afternoon. And I I think that there's a little piece of me that has like, I want to be the exception to the rule where like we finally make it work and we get back together. History does not allude to the fact that we are very good as a functional couple. Does this person want to be in a relationship with you? Uh, so this person wants to be, that's a hard question, um, wants to be in a relationship with me, but on their terms. Okay. There's not animosity between us. If I was using some shorthand, we just have very different goals and probably a different love language. Do you want different things? Like me personally? Yeah. I mean, no, do you and you and this person 
ultimately want different things out of the relationship. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, we do. I mean, like we say we don't, but we do. But I think the the biggest thing would be that um, so the individual that I was seeing is sort of practicing it's polyamory, but it's not polyamory in how I understood it. Right. Oh, right, right. It's like a weird polyamory where people don't know what's happening. My thing has always been like, everyone can do whatever they want as long as like it's not hurting people. Um, so his thing is that he doesn't necessarily want to have a primary. He wants to have many, many valued intimate relationships but without a primary and without the um, obligation to sort of provide information about those relationships. So, and then it would be symbiotic. So like, while I was seeing him, I was also allowed to like, allowed in quotations um, to like date and sleep with other people if I, if I so chose. And the deal was that like, we would always know that each other were like STD free and everyone was safe. and. But I, like I never met any of the other women, and I, I don't know a lot about them and things like that. Is that something that you want? So it wasn't something that I had like imagined for myself. But my desire to be with this person superseded mm. my original imagination of having like a monogamous relationship. What do you want? Um. So like, ideally. I would imagine myself in a monogamous relationship. Okay. The thing that I am most drawn to within my old relationship is like uh, the level of intellect and conversation was really incredibly satiating for me. Uh Um, And then the other piece to it, which, which I think has some validity. We're both educated in sociology and we do work specifically on disability as like a social identity. Um, So whereas the other men that I date will often talk about like, they find me beautiful in spite of being disabled or like if we're going out for dinner, I'm doing all the work to like figure out what's accessible and how that's going to work. Um, and given his education, his attitude towards disability, like we were often able to talk about disability as like a social construct um, as opposed to like something that I was like overcoming or managing. And he often made space for my disability in ways that I found refreshing. So like if we wanted to go out for food, he'd be like, okay, like this place is accessible and this is how we're going to get there or whatever. Um, and did a lot of work in, in that regard. So it was this odd dynamic of, of I felt incredibly seen and validated when we were together, like, on like dates or like interacting or whatever. But then it was this weird thing that I didn't feel like I had the structure of a relationship. So like he didn't go to like any of my boring work events or like things that a partner might accompany you to that weren't necessarily super fun. I'm wondering what's more important to you. Someone that's well-versed in uh, disability is a social construct rather than something that you must overcome or someone who fundamentally wants the type of relationship style that you want. And I'm not saying those both can't exist. It seems like I think they could. I'm just I, wondering what's more important if you had to like prioritize. 
if I had to prioritize, it would be the 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 knowledge around disability. So that sounds like a very important piece to you. Yeah. Are there other people who have this sort of knowledge or the ability to acquire it? Yeah, like this is not an inborn sort of um, piece of knowledge. <laughs> it's not like athleticism or natural talent for singing. Uh-huh. Uh, so yes, other folks could, in fact, adopt this this perspective. And um, there are people who are of the world who would know know and have the the same sort of analysis that he does. I'm just wondering, like, what's easier to find? Like, good people that can learn specific things about you and your needs or, like, change this existing person, which seems to have quite a bit of what you're looking for, but not quite all of it. Yeah, and specifically what's happening with this person, and um, this is our cycle, is we can do about two years together, and then we start to bicker about the fact that he doesn't do what I want, and he has no intentions of of changing. So I I feel like moving down the second road of finding or, or reframing it as like someone could acquire this perspective it's it's probably a little bit more healthy. It sounds you've come to a conclusion that it might be healthier. Is it also like will it also help you fill your needs? So, yeah, long term I I think that it it would in the immediate like it's so much work to like go and find someone new and yeah, ingratiate them to my life and yeah nuances of disability yeah i mean it sounds like a a challenge yeah and i i'm also assuming that like you're you're kind of used to to challenges yeah like i i suppose and it sucks that you like have a specific set of needs that are like more challenging for people to meet It, it yeah it does suck sometimes I just don't know if that's ever going to go away. Um, I think there's probably an ebb and flow to that. Like, This is so tough because some of these problems go away when you meet somebody that can like meet you where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And in, and it's, it's interesting because in regards to like friendship, knock on wood, I don't have a hard time making friends and I don't have a hard time finding folks who are interested in like finding activities that I can do or, or ways that I can participate. Like I don't have a lot of people in my life who are like, I'll only be your friend if you can ice skate. Right. Uh, But um, I find uh, romantically, there seems to be a general anxiety around like, disability to some extent where have you been meeting people traditionally so sort of there's two pools um one i i date a lot of my like friends and i date friends of friends right so people who i've known really well platonically and then it just shifts and then online 
online dating is interesting because then I can sort of vet if I think they're going to be okay with disability or not. How do you do that? So not to spiral into a completely different topic, but... Um, I feel like it's kind of connected. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is a good strategy. <laughs> caveat. Caveat. We're not sure if this is a good strategy, but it's being employed anyways. Possibly don't do this at home. So I tend to look for folks who are not particularly preoccupied with their body or their like fitness levels. So I find um, just through my own dating life, people who work in the fitness industry get really stressed out by the fact that like, I'm okay with the fact that I can't walk. Right. Uh, people in the medical profession are often like, Hey, so what's the cure happening? Um, whereas like people who inhabit bodies that are often othered or people who um, have experienced a time when they were, when they were different often are quite reflexive to, to disability. But what this has translated to is in like my real life, I am quite outgoing and I like some like sports and physical activity and stuff like that. Um, and I date a lot of men who are um, very socially anxious because they've experienced in a time when they were ostracized or I date a lot of men with like body image issues. They all often end up being nice people but not like my forever person. And yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. I knew this was going to be a challenging call, by the way. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Are you having a hard time meeting people? Uh, Would you say that's where your challenge lies? Or does your challenge really lie in, in uh, perhaps letting go of this relationship? Um, I, I think that they are interconnected. If I had to pick one over the other, I would say that I'm having a hard time meeting people. One of the things I often think about when I reflect on this relationship and it makes me feel better is if one of my friends were in a situation like this, where they'd been dating the same sort of guy for like on and off for like eight to 10 years, I, I would be like, like, he doesn't treat you well. You guys don't want the same thing. Like this isn't working. And I feel like because I have a poverty of opportunity uh, with meeting new partners and meeting people who are interested in me romantically, I continue to return to this person who is like, what I want kind of, but not really. Yeah, I I understand. I see the dilemma a little bit more clearly now, and I sort of had a, a feeling that this was this was gonna be sort of like the pinch point. It almost sounds like okay. When I was twenty five, I I used to work for Yahoo. I was making like just more money than a twenty five year old should should be making. You know, like it just didn't seem fair. And I also had a boss who was totally absentee, which means that like I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. I often came into work at like 9.30. I was wearing cutoff jean shorts. I would uh, take a two-hour lunch and I would leave at about 4 or 4.30. And I had nobody to look over me and my job was actually like kind of easy. I could kind of do it 
in my sleep. And it took me, I mean, this is by and large what would sound like an amazing situation. I would like to work for Yahoo right now. (laughs) Well, no, I don't think you want to work for Yahoo now. I think you wanted to work for them at the time in this particular job. And I wanted to quit. For two and a half years, I wanted to quit. And I would talk to people about it and they they would say, you are insane. Do not quit this job. This is the best thing that's ever going to happen to you. This is amazing. And eventually I had to quit. And it was a good thing and I left money on the table. But it wasn't good for me. Spiritually, my soul felt like a, a dried up little raisin. Okay. So it doesn't matter what other people think is good for you or how good a thing is. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I had to leave. And and here's the here's the fucked up thing. People were like, do not leave until you have a new job. It's really stupid to leave without having something better. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that I, I had to leave because I didn't know what was around the corner and I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew what I didn't want. And that job no longer served me. Okay. And when I left, man, I mean, it's been a wild ride. I still am not sure what I'm doing, but I'm so glad that I'm not working at that company anymore. Like it, it opened up my options in a way that I wasn't, I wasn't able to, to fathom or to understand. Okay. And so I'm hoping that you get, you, you're seeing the metaphor here. With your relationship. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's a relationship that you need to leave, but sometimes we don't know what's around the corner until we actually make space for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's real. And whenever you're with this person, you are not available for somebody else. Like just logistically, you know, at a time in 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 space, like you are with somebody else, thus you cannot meet other people. Yeah. How does that sit? Um it's it's all that's all right. Like I I think um the notion that moving on from this will provide space and opportunity for something else to happen is is a really exciting notion and it's nice to hear you like hear somebody else who's not like my friend say say that because i think part of the anxiety is that like i have this imagination that like this is like the best i've ever done like this is it i've peaked mm. like and i i think it's it's nice to know that like in the same way that you moved on from your baller job at yahoo i could move on to i also think it is satiating to hear somebody else who is not like in my immediate friend group point out that like, if, if I'm with someone else, even if it's open logistically, I'm just not putting myself out there to, to like meet other people. If I continue to fraternize with this person. I mean, some of your needs are being met. Yeah. And so when your needs are not being met, there's a little bit more urgency in getting those needs met. And if we both understand that those needs are not going to be met uh, or that you won't go and get them met from this person, then they're, they're going to have to be met in other ways, which, yeah. which are, that's, that's what's interesting to me. 
Okay. How are you going to get your needs met? I mean, your your needs for touch, your needs for intimacy, your needs for safety, security, social life. Like, where are all those needs going to be met? If if part of them aren't being met through this one person, they're going to be met in other ways. And the other thing that I want to say is that I recognize that it takes an incredible amount of courage to trust that when you close one door, others will open. Yeah. I, I recognize that, that it, it can be really scary. It can be scary. This has been my experience. And the opposite of, of fear is, is faith, and, it, and that's what we sort of need. You walk through the fear, right? You, you close one door, then there's a lot of fear, and then eventually you realize you're not dead. Your needs can be met in other ways, and you, know, you, you become resourced in how are you going to get those needs met. I don't have the answers as to where you're going to meet this person. <laughs> well... <laughs> That's disappointing. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. That's like the most disappointing part about this call is that like, I don't know how the universe is going to unfold. I can give suggestions like, oh, go to this place or do this or, you know, but ultimately, I really believe that the universe unfolds the way it should. And oftentimes it's not on our timeline. This has been my experience. <laughs> I was supposed to have two kids by 30. I'm 36 years old and single. So... <laughs> You know, it's probably because I'm not fucking emotionally <laughs> mature enough to handle raising two children right now. <laughs> and then I'm trying to break patterns that have been in my family for a long time. I have to look at it th- that way. Otherwise, you know, fuck me. I'm, I'm blowing it. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to live my life like that. I, I want to trust that like we are doing the best we can with what we have and that things don't necessarily unfold the way we want them to. And particularly love is not something we can just make happen. And so how do you stop yourself from spiraling into like, oh my God, what if I end up alone forever? Or you just don't think about that? Uh, I don't think about that because I, I know that there's someone out there. There's probably a few someones out there. The fact is, we can always settle, but we don't want to. I know I don't want to, and I'm pretty sure you don't want to either. (laughs) So worst case, we settle. I mean, all right, I I guess. I guess that's the worst case I could settle for someone that I'm not like super stoked about, but that is stoked to be with me. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, or worst case, I uh, I just have like a really rich life full of friends and activities and uh, animals and and like a career and and that's also the worst case. Yeah, and that that sounds okay. It's okay. It's also when you just like really fucking trust and and you live your life for you, not for anybody else. You live it really for you and not like what can I get. What, what can someone else bring to my life to make it more fulfilling when you really just live it for you? Yeah, that, that could be emancipatory. Worst case scenario, we settle. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. I mean, it's kind of true, you know? Like, there's this exercise where, where people, the question is like, what's so scary about about being alone for the rest of your life. So just answer that question. What's what's so what's so scary about that? Uh so for me 
my my thing is is like I get stressed because I feel like my friends are all moving into like a new type of adulthood and I don't want to lose touch with uh how do I explain this without sounding like a dweeb um yeah I don't want my friends to move on without me and I feel like part of keeping up with them is like getting like a serious partner and just like making us house poor you sort of took a little left turn there which I really I really appreciate though because basically what you're what you're saying is that like the next phase of your development is get a life partner, get a serious relationship, and then buy a house that you can't afford. So so that you can stay in touch with your friends. That sounds really screwed up when you say it out loud. I just feel like there's gotta be a better way to keep your friends around. Pro- probably. And they've they've all for the most part promised that they will always be my friend. Hey friends, I have this fear. It's a story that I'm telling myself, is that if I don't uh like find a serious boyfriend and then buy a house, uh, you and I will drift apart. And that really makes me sad. And I don't want that to happen. Okay. And they'll be like, why would that ever happen? Like, of course, you know, if they have kids and shit, like they're going to get busier and you're going to see less of them. But like, yeah, so that that's like, that is a script. Okay. That's a script of one way of living life. Yeah. And it it doesn't super serve me to get really focused on that. I mean, I would spend time focusing on like cultivating the relationships that you do have, you know, the friends that you like and and spending time with people that make you happy and cultivating, you know, whatever you're working on, whether it's your career or like academically or like building the kind of life that makes you happy, but that isn't isn't contingent upon like another like romantic partner to to like complete you. Okay. That's novel. Is it? I don't know. I hadn't thought of it. <laughs> I thought you were being sarcastic. Oh. <laughs> oh, hey, Sean, hadn't thought about that one. No, I, I think it's I think it's nice that like in the meantime I can like work on other things and yeah, build your life. Build your life. <laughs> Rarely do I find like the people are like, all right, I'm going to get a partner now. I'm going to go out and get a boyfriend. Like that never works. That doesn't work. You can totally find a relationship. Absolutely. We've talked about this already. Yeah. You can settle. You can go and meet someone and settle for someone, like you said, that you met on a dating site that has low self esteem and like, you know, has body issues. And, but, you know, they're they're available, uh, mm-hmm. or you can just build your life the way you want it to be. It's not contingent upon somebody else coming in and completing you. That's a lot more attractive, by the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling? I feel a lot better. You do? Yeah, yeah. Like I feel kind of hopeful, and part of like we'll see how long this like post love drive high last i feel like there's a little bit more resolve and and it was very validating to hear like just like go do other things and and keep building your best life as opposed to like fixating on why you haven't why i haven't attracted someone who's like interested in having a long-term relationship with me and then 
becoming house poor. I mean, why is not a spiritual question, by the way. What are you looking at? What am, What do you mean, what am I looking at? Oh, do you looking at a photo? Are you looking at the video of yourself when you go look into the bottom bottom left? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I have a post-it on my screen that hides my, the, <laughs> hides my face. Because I keep trying to make my neck longer so my face doesn't look as fat. And then I'm trying to like narrow and volumize my hair without you like noticing. I'm not um, using this video. We're not going to be using the video. We're only using the audio portion. Yeah, I know, but still. Well, I think you're beautiful just the way you are with the the regular size neck and the the volume that's already there. Thank, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I had. I have to. I mean, it's like I have to put a post it on my screen, or else I just can't stop looking at myself. It's just like so normal to do that. I don't know why. No. So part of me, for some reason, I'm feeling like maybe this advice isn't landing for you, but I might be wrong. Um, I like, like, I'm, I'm pleased with the advice. Um, it is similar to the advice my therapist has given me. Um, That's the biggest compliment you could ever give me. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, she, she wasn't as like cool and hip about it, but. Uh, she had more schooling and she has more debt than I do. Yeah. Um, and it, it took like four or five hundred dollars to get there. So I really appreciate it. Like that's where I'm at. Like it's it's validating to to hear that reflected again. I'm I'm not coming away with like a specific way that I can solve my how do I meet people problem. Like it is only half an hour, so that's like it and it's it's hard to like provide a prescription to, to stuff like for something like that. It's true. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming if we did spend longer uh, we could come up with places and ways for you to meet people that yeah. f- that like fit your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm down to give it a shot. Do you want to? You want to give 15 minutes to try to figure out where you could meet people? Sure. Okay. You're not going to say no. No. Um. But you, okay, you're you got to run this because I don't know your life. Oh man. Uh. We are going to continue this episode next week. So stay tuned for part two, where we try to figure out how to help Samantha meet new people. And then I actually get back in touch with Samantha and we get a little update about how her love life is faring now, almost three months later. Thank you. Thanks for being part of a community of lovebirds who care about emotional intimacy and who want to deepen their awareness around what makes us human and how we love and why we love and all the weird things that we do to make that happen and how messy and scary and hard that can be sometimes. So thank you. Thanks for showing up and thank you for spending some time with me this week. If you think that you'd be a good fit for a free love advice episode, I invite you to email me, sean at 
thelovedrive.com. That's S-H-A-U-N. Or you can message me on Instagram at The Love Drive. I also do free love advice on Fridays in the stories on Instagram. If you have a situation that could be helpful to a lot of people, then I invite you to contact me. Have a beautiful week.